Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I am Evangelist Janice Nelson, and I want to welcome you to season two of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole, a weekly women's Bible study podcast. Today is Sabbath Sunday, April 3rd, the year of our Lord, 2022. In this Bible study podcast, we address various issues that break the spirit of women and then seek to promote women's spiritual wholeness and well-being with lessons learned from the Word of God. Ladies, every good and perfect gift comes from God, and all we are or can ever hope to be, all we have or can ever hope to have, is from God. The people of God acknowledge this and praise Him for it. So my question to you is, do you acknowledge and praise God for all he has poured into you or do you take full credit for your accomplishments? If we acknowledge that all of our fountains are in God, as indeed they are, we will have joy in our salvation. And more than that, we will be encouraged to continue serving God, knowing that it is he who sustains us in all of our efforts. When we come back, we're going to talk about acknowledging and praising God. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. Today, we are talking about acknowledging and praising God. Our scripture reading is taken from Psalms chapter 87, verses 1 through 7, and I will be reading from the New International Version of the Bible if you want to follow along with the scripture reading. Now, reading from the NIV of the book of Psalms chapter 81, beginning at verse 1, the psalmist writes, He has founded his city on the holy mountain. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the other dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are said of you, city of God. I will record Rahab and Babylon among those who acknowledge me. Philistia too and Tyre along with Cush. And will say this one was born in Zion. Indeed of Zion, it will be said, this one and that one were born in her, and the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord will write in the register of the peoples, this one was born in Zion. As they make music, they will sing, all my fountains are in you. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of his word. Amen. Ladies, the idea of world peace or peace on earth is worth seeking. Philosophers like Socrates and Kant sought worldwide peace and Stoics dreamed of a worldwide brotherhood. In ancient times, Rome imposed unity by military force. Today, the United Nations is often called upon to prevent disputes from escalating into war or to help restore peace following armed conflict 
and to promote lasting peace in societies emerging from wars. But peace does not come easily, as wars of history, ancient and modern, attest to. Many countries today want peace at the expense of another and try to force others to embrace their form of government. The ancient Israelites thought this was and looked forward to the day when they would defeat their enemies and bring them under the sovereignty of uh, God, God's king in Zion. Some Israelites envisioned peace as something God would bring about by means different from those of godless nations. Psalm 87 embraces such a vision. It is a prophecy that looks forward to a time when the pagan nations of Egypt, Babylon, Philistia, Tyre, Curse, Cush, and all other idolaters would be received as citizens of Zion, the name for God's sovereign rule over his people from Jerusalem. In vision, uh, the vision of Psalms 87, according to the Apostle Paul, is accomplished in the church. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are one in Christ Jesus. The prophecy of Psalms 87 of the Gentiles is of the Gentiles joining the Jews in Jerusalem to worship the true living God. It's also expressed in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2, chapter 19, verses 23 through 25, Isaiah 56, verses 6 through 7, Micah chapter 4, verse 1, Zechariah chapter 2, verse 11, chapter 8, verses 22 through 23, chapter 14 through uh, 16 through 19, and Malachi chapter 1, verse 11, and elsewhere in the scriptures. Psalm 87 is a short psalm, only seven verses, with things revealed in nearly every verse. In examining our text by sequence, the first theme occurs in verses one and two, which contains the primary theme in the psalm. It emphasizes that God has chosen to establish Zion as his dwelling place and as the new heavenly city where believers will worship him. Therefore, Zion cannot be shaken, even though the world unites militarily against it. So let's unpack Psalm 87. Verse one of our text begins with this. He has founded his city on the holy mountain. This is God's foundation. And we can hardly read this text without thinking about the passage of scripture found in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11, which praises Abraham for, quote, looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God, end quote. Hebrews chapter 11 makes explicit that Abraham sought a heavenly city, not an earthly residence. So even in Old Testament times, the most prominent saints' affection were not set on earthly Jerusalem, which they loved only as a symbol of the greater glories, which they knew 
they would enjoy in heaven. Can believers today love their local church in this same way? Should the church be precious to them and should they pray for it? Of course, but they should also recognize it was merely an earthly foretaste of heavenly glories, which will never pass away and which they should look forward to. Verse three is a mysterious statement of praise for Zion. It says, glorious things are said of you, city of God. This is a statement of praise for Zion. Other statements of praise for Zion are, uh, excuse me, other praises, other statements of praise offered for Zion in scripture are beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth, like the heights of Zaphon is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. That is found in Psalms 48, verse 2. Then if we turn to Psalms 132, verse 13, the word of God says, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling. And finally, Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 through 3 says, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established. As the highest of the mountains, it will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The Lord will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. These passages of scripture remind us that greater things have been said of the church than have been said of earthly Jerusalem. The Apostle Paul in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 through 24, also makes this point. He says, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established. As the highest of the mountains, it will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his path. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Pastor Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, quote, Glorious things were taught in Jerusalem's streets and seen in her temples, yet this is more true of the church. She is founded in grace, but her pinnacles glow with glory. Whatever glorious things the saints may say of the church in their eulogies, they cannot exceed what prophets have foretold, what angels have sung, or what God himself has declared. Happy are the tongues which learn on to occupy themselves with so excellent a subject, end quote. 
Let's move on to verses four through six of our text, which says, I will record Rahab and Babylon among those who acknowledge me, Philistia too, and Tyre along with Cush, and will say, this one was born in Zion. Indeed of Zion, it will be said, this one and that one were born in her, and the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord will write in the register of the peoples, this one was born in Zion. These verses contain the chief idea of the psalm. The psalmist envisions a time when the Gentile nations will join the sons and daughters of Israel in acknowledging and in worshiping the true living God. And it is from this that the psalmist gets his vision of world peace. To show us what he means, the psalmist mentions five representative nations. The first is Rahab. Now, our text does not say what Rahab represents. However, other biblical texts revealed that Rahab was a name for Egypt, the great power to the south of Israel. The word Egypt denotes pride and ferocity. Isaiah chapter 3 verse 7 says, but in that day he will cry out, I have no remedy. I have no food or clothing in my house. Do not make me the leader of the people. The second representative nation that the psalmist mentions is Babylon, the great power to the east of Israel. The psalmist reference to Babylon might date this psalm from the time of the latter kings of Judah, perhaps even during the reign of Hezekiah, because Babylon did not emerge from prom to prominence until the decline of Assyria. The third representative nation the psalmist mentions is Philistia. Now, whereas Rahab was the great power to Israel's south and Babylon was the great power to Israel's west, Philistia was a closer and more immediate threat to Israel because it was located to Israel's west. The fourth, I think I've got that wrong. I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to go back and fix that. Egypt was to the south, Babylon was to the east, and so Philistia was to the west. That's right. The fourth representative uh, nation the psalmist makes reference to is Tyre, which was a powerful city-state to Israel's north. Now, these four names, Rahab, south of Israel, Babylon, east of Israel, Philistia, west of Israel, and Tyre, north of Israel, are all four points on the compass which are covered. The fifth representative nation that the psalmist um, mentions is Cush, which stands for Ethiopia, and it is representative of a far distant nation. So the psalmist is indicating that in the day of God's future blessing, every nation of the world, or at the very least, representatives of every nation of the world, will come to know and praise the true living God, Jehovah. 
I cannot read this Psalm 87 without thinking about the day of Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit after the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how God drew people from diverse backgrounds and ethnicities to faith in Christ. Acts chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 says, Parthenian, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Phaphiga, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Jerusalem, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Although the names of the nations changed on the day of Pentecost from those on the psalmist day, many from all points of the compass are mentioned. Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphiga, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Cretans and Arabs. The New Testament references numerous visions of Gentiles and Jews together acknowledging and praising God. See Romans chapter 11 or Ephesians chapter 3, verses 3 through 9. See Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 through 23, and Revelations chapter 7, verse 9, and chapter 14, verses 1 through 5, just to name a few. The parallels between Psalms 87 and the Christian church is undeniable. An old work called Plain Commentary from an ancient writer says this, Quote, this is the glory of the church that into her the fullness of the nations shall enter. The proud from Egypt, who for her haughtiness is called Rahab, the worldly from Babylon, the city of confusion, the wrathful from Felicia, so long the enemies of Israel, the covetous from Tyre, the rich city of the traitors, and the slaves of ignorance from Cush and from the land of Ham, end quote. Today, we do not see the peoples of every nation bowing to Jesus Christ as we will one day, but Psalms 87 is a prophecy and foretaste of the joyful unity of purpose of God's people in the fellowship of Christ's church. The psalmist speaks of two things concerning those who worship who or who will worship God in the days he envisions. The first is the people will acknowledge God. Verse four says, I will record Rahab and Babylon and those who acknowledge me, Philistia to and Tyre along with Cush, and will say this one was born in Zion. The word acknowledge is translated is a translation of the Hebrew word Yoda, which means to know, acknowledge, understand, be sure, know about, experience, etc. This means more than just admitting that there is a God. It means accepting him as Lord and Savior, bowing to him and seeking to know him. 
John chapter 17, verse three says, now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Therefore, to anyone who considers himself or herself wise or strong or rich, the very category suggested by the names Egypt, Babylon, Philistia, Tyre, and Cush, Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 through 24 warns this, let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. The greatest blessing any person or nation can receive is to know and worship the true living God. Now, the second thing that the psalmist speaks of concerning those who worship God in the days he envisions is that the people will be born again. Verse four says, I will record Rahab and Babylon among those who acknowledge me, Philistia too and Tyre along with Cush and will say, this one was born in Zion. Verse six says, the Lord will write in a register of the people's this one was born in Zion. And going back to verse five, the psalmist says, indeed in Zion, it will be said, this one and that one were born in her and the most high himself will establish her. This verse is repeated three times in this short psalm, so it must be important. But what does it mean? It cannot mean that every person in the world will literally be born in Jerusalem. No, it means that it will be recorded in an official record as if they were born there, thereby giving them the status of true citizens, a spiritual Jew and member of the people of God, which is what the new birth signifies. The confirming piece of evidence is in the Septuagint a version of verse five, which the apostle Paul knew and frequently drew from in his epistles. The additional word mother appears and gives a sense captured in the New English Bible translation, which says, quote, and Zion shall be called a mother in whom of every race are born, end quote. This is the meaning behind Galatians 4.26, which says, but, in, but the Jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother. Psalms 87 is pointing to spiritual rebirth. Finally, the last verse of our text, verse 7, concerns those who have been reborn and who acknowledge and praise God for it. They sing, all my fountains are in you. This Lovely image is echoed in other scriptures in the Bible, like in Psalms 46 and 4 and Ezekiel 47 and 1. The point is every good and perfect gift 
comes from God. And all we are or can ever hope to be, all we have or can ever hope to have is from God. The people of God acknowledge this and praise him for it. So ladies, let me ask you a question. Do you acknowledge and praise God for all he has poured into you? Or do you take full credit for your accomplishments? If we acknowledge that all of our fountains are in God, and indeed they are, we will have joy in our salvation. And more than that, we will be encouraged to continue serving God, knowing that it is he who sustains us and all of our efforts. And we will be confident that he who began a good work in us will carry it out on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Broken Vessels Mended and Know. If this ministry has been a blessing to you and you want to support it, we have several ways in which you can do that. First, via the Tidely app at Broken Vessels Mended and Know. At second, at Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y.com. You may donate to Broken Vessels hyphen Mended and Whole. Or you may mail whatever gifts of love you feel led to give to Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. We are a 501c3 nonprofit religious organization located at P.O. Box 34637, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Join me next week for another episode of Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. And don't forget to check in with me on Facebook Live at Evangelist Janice. That's J-A-N-I-S Nelson today at 12 noon Pacific Daylight Time. In the meantime, take good care and may God continue to bless you. Amen.